holy and gracious God, open our ears and our minds and our hearts to the word you have for each and every one of us this day. And as I, your servant, stand before you, I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So Paul and Silas were journeying along, and they were actually taking one of the primary trade routes that went through the Roman Empire. So when they're going through Amphipolis and Apollonia and all the way down to Thessalonica, they were on an important roadway called the Via Ignatia and going from place to place, proclaiming everything that God had done and going from into all the cities and finding a place in the synagogues and sitting down and starting to teach about the word of God to the people. So they come to Thessalonica and this is the church that we know will be part of the pastoral letters of Paul. But here, this is the very beginning of that community. So in the midst of this city that was the capital of Macedonia, it had about 200,000 residents. They had the opportunity to, uh, to be a church, and they received the teaching with some Mixed reviews, we shall, we shall see. Because Paul comes in, and he goes, as he typically did, to the place where the people gathered to hear about God, and he opened up to them all of the scriptures. And it's important for us to note that, because that's the pattern that we see a lot of here in the book of Acts. Now, other places in the New Testament, they talk about um, how Jesus came to be the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, that Jesus is the fulfillment of those scriptures. Yet in the book of Acts, we find really the script salvation. We see how Paul would open up the word again to go through and really tell people how it was all of this fulfillment from the beginning of time to this moment of Christ's death and resurrection, and now that the hearers could also come to know that Jesus Christ was, in fact, the Messiah. So we see all of the terms that go along with God's salvation. An interesting experience this week, because I got to go with Annika, our oldest daughter, she's 15, and she and I took the mega bus to New York City. And when we first got dropped off in Times Square, of course we were hungry and a little tired. It was starting to rain, so we ducked into a Panera Bread there because, you know, we're real adventurous first thing in the morning. Um, and while we were standing in the back of the restaurant waiting for our food, I was overhearing a conversation. Anybody else eavesdrop on people? Okay, let's be honest here. <laughs> and there was a, there was a, a booth where there were two women, and the one was taking the other through the scriptures. She was starting in the Gospel of John, and then she jumped to the letters of John, and then she went back to Isaiah, and she's going all over the Bible. And I'm just kind of standing there, like trying to get a little close <laughs> and hear, what is she telling this woman? And partially judging, is, is this theologically sound or not? I don't know. Um, but it was an interesting model to see just two women sitting down, having breakfast together, and one of them taking the time to go 
through the Word of God with somebody who was obviously brand new to the Bible. They'd never opened the scriptures before, and so she was helping her find where in the book to go and where in the book to look. And that's such an important model that we don't often see enough of in our modern life, in our modern church. Because we ourselves often feel uncomfortable with the scriptures. We're not quite sure where we need to start. But that's what's beautiful about this book in particular, the book of Acts. Because so much of what Paul is doing is he's going into these places and he's helping people see the connections between how they've worshipped all the years before and how they can connect all of their understanding of life to what God has brought in Jesus Christ. And so he's going through saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. He's, he's reaching out to people where they are and drawing the connections that they need to know so that they can begin to understand that this story, this story is true and fulfilled in Jesus Christ, but yet it's the church that begins to be a place where people can respond to that message and find others that are going to walk with them through the journey. So that's why we find that, that as Paul and Silas, they go to the synagogue and they're teaching there for three weeks, but they're also spending time at homes with people. And they're in the home of Jason, who tradition of the church holds was one of the 70. Remember, in, in the Gospels, Jesus takes and sends 70 disciples out to go carry the good news around. Beyond the 12, he sends 70 out to go two by two and to share the good news. And so as he is traveling through, um, Jason is, by tradition, one of those 70. And he is one who... I was wondering when you do that, Lori. Thank you. So Jason is one of those 70, and because of that, he would truly have this understanding of being a yoke fellow. Yoke fellow in that you're sent out with someone else in order to grow and learn and serve God together. Because so much of what we understand of faith, we try to think is a personal matter. We think our, our faith is just between us and between God. But a lot of times, there are people that need to walk alongside us, people who need to come on the journey and help us to understand what God is doing. And that's why even Paul and Silas are together in this. It's not just one person being sent here and another being sent there, but there's really this fellowship that's important for people to come and, and learn together, that our faith is really something that is rooted in the community of believers, even more than it is in just us responding to what Jesus Christ, that we begin to grow when we work together. So we find that there were a large number of people who worshipped the Greek gods, and how many of you can remember all of them from English class when you read mythology? You probably mix up the Greeks and the Romans. <laughs> But that was their common starting point, you know, having an idea in a higher power that had created, and he would help them understand that you might give names to all these different gods, but there's really just one that you need to know, and that is the Lord who has come to us in the person of Jesus Christ, and you need to accept him and come to know him 
And then not only were there a large number of these Greek god worshippers that came to faith during this missionary that Paul had gone, also there were a lot of women, you know, if one's done, you want to work quick something, start the women, right? Because they'll all gab with one another, amen? Yeah, you know. You know how so these prominent women begin to also take the light out into the highest of the places. They're trained. And after this, some women like, yeah, I'm sure too. They, they're a resource to further the school. Have Jews of that synagogue, they get really jealous about the work that they're seeing as starting to play. And they get angry. And they hire a bunch of thugs. Could you imagine that? They go out and they, they hire these people to go, the, these guys that are just hanging around in the marketplace, and they tell them, come and let's make this mob and start a riot in the city. Because they want, um, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is one of peace. And the gospel of Christ is one that was not meant to cause an uproar against the country. No, they just wanted people to know that the Lord was God and that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. But they wanted to start a, a, a big rabble and they had a riot. And when they couldn't find Paul and Silas, they go to Jason's house. Poor Jason, he had just welcomed them into his home. He had been somebody's missionaries come and stay for a while so that they would be able to share the gospel and be there. And it's funny, theologian Robert Wall says, what we really see here is hospitality being on trial. Think about all the times we, we don't want to let someone come into our house because we worry about the trouble that they might bring. We say, you never know who's going to show up looking for them. Well, well, that's what happened in this case, because all Jason did was offer a place for these men to rest and to eat. And here, all of a sudden, there's a riot outside of his home. And he's dragged out and brought in front of all the city officials. And they're shouting, these people have been disturbing the peace all over the empire. And, and now they're here. And what's more, Jason has welcomed them into his home. Wow, what a crime, right? Um, but it's, you know, sometimes we're known by the company we keep. And they're trying to paint a picture of Jason being caught up in a, a bunch of turmoil when all he was trying to do was be a faithful believer and, and be hospitable, as was the custom, and especially in the early church. But, you know, the custom we probably need to even spend more time reviving today, welcoming people into our homes. And so what they, the city officials, they finally let him go on bail. They release him. But we find that Thessalonica was not a safe place for Paul and Silas. They're actually, the believers there are going to send them away to safety. They're going to go 50 miles southwest to Berea to be safe. That was a, a maybe not one of the most successful journeys. Yet, like I said, it's going to become church. That is, no, so Paul eats his later pastoral letters, two letters to the Thessalonians. And what we find there is a, a broad definition of the kinds of relationships we need to have, the kinds of honorable leaders in God, and how we need to be affecting the culture around us. The later letters are shaped by this encounter that he has in just a three-week span. And think about that. In all of human history, all of the time that humans have been on this earth. 
Paul is only, and Paul and Silas are only in this city for three weeks. Yet that three weeks has been recorded in these passages and even expounded upon in his pastoral letters. And now thousands of years later, that time matters. Think about how often we'll gloss over three weeks when we're planning for, for our weeks and our days. We're looking ahead. Three weeks. We're three weeks from Ash Wednesday as of yesterday, and it's going to go like that. Think about that little time that God has used to have so many people in that community. And now there's all of them throughout history to know what's expected of people. Uh, as we come to know that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the one we, that we give all lives. We're going to find later in this, past, in this chapter um, that the people in America, where Paul and Silas go, they're going to be much more open. It's not going to be the thugs and the people that are jealous and, and all the controversy. What they're going to find there is a, a, a group of people that are much more open to studying the scriptures together and learning and growing. And part of that's because of the culture. And so another thing that theologian Robert Wall says is that when we think about how all of us are called to respond to the Word of God, he says that family life, the relationships that we have with others, the culture that we're a part of, the personal habits that we have in our hearts and our minds, all of those will shape us to be people who either are interested in God or who aren't. But that every single choice that we make for God is freely made um, by us as we are moved to respond to the gospel. It's when we look in these scriptures and we examine this whole story, we see how God has been active in Jesus Christ. Wall says that if you go through this way, a reasonable, a reasonable person's response will surely be to believe that Christ is the Messiah. And it's important for us to take the time to be with others, to search the scriptures, to interpret what's being said, to understand the full gospel story. Because that's how we become people who don't just know with our minds what God was trying to fulfill in the coming of Jesus Christ, but then people who begin to believe in our hearts by the grace of God that what Christ did for us is true. And that our salvation comes from knowing this great story that God has written is for all of us to come to believe and know of Christ's salvation. So I pray we can either have people in our lives who bring this message to us, who are willing to sit with us, maybe let us into their, our, their homes, even if it might bring a riot later. Um, we'll sit and take the time to the scriptures with us. Or that maybe we can be the people who will do the same for others. That we can come alongside those who are brand new to the faith, who maybe have a different belief system, but who need to have the, all those dots connected so that they can know that Christ has suffered and died and been resurrected for them. And that as we share this faith together, that people will come to know the Lord of their salvation. So I pray all of us can come along and come and, and share this good news. So as I wrap up, I want you to think about, you know, through this month, we've been having people we've been praying for in our community. And for each of us, it's five different people. Um, think about a conversation you can have with them about what they believe. 
Do they worship the Greek gods they learned about in middle school? They might, who knows? But maybe there's an opportunity you can have to sit with them and say, where is it that you worship? Who is it that you worship? And what is it, if there is someone or some body of believers that they're part of, have conversation with them about what it is that draws them to that community. What makes them feel like that that's the place they belong. Or if they hem and haw and say, well, I don't really have anything like that. That's when you invite them to come with you, to come and be part of worship like tonight, or to come to a study, and spend time with them to talk about your faith and how we can understand what God has done through the scriptures. So think about taking that next step of, of just asking where they are in their faith journey and then maybe inviting them to come into a deeper relationship with Christ our Lord. And I pray that as we do this, that all will come to know the love of our Savior in Jesus Christ, whose name we ask all these prayers and who we worship tonight in spirit and truth. Amen. We have one more song that we will sing this evening. 